2: Our goal is to win, for Christ's sakes. And you keep talking about the CBT. You keep talking about prospects and your
3: long-term goal. Like, you just basically told us, we ain't good enough. We suck. You let us down. Angry Lou. Angry angry Lou. A hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen. Keep playing like dog call my manager, Lou. Go get me a goddamn first baseman. That's what I want. I don't want an outfielder D8. I need a first baseman.
1: Okay, Lou, I'll ask you something. What?
3: How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation?
2: Lou, what's up, dog? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here,
3: Lou. Lou Maloney is brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market, where you can win free groceries in their Grand Slam Summer Sweepstakes. And we welcome in the future Chief Baseball Officer of the Boston Red Sox, Louis Merloni on the Harbor One Hotline. Hi, Lou. Well,
2: I'll tell you, the first move I'd want to do is bring my people in with me. So you guys should look at your contracts and Ah. see if there's an out over there at EEI, because you'd be right there with me. What in the
3: world would you have us do other than be the two guys to walk around (laughs) to push away like McAdam and Catillo and Shaughnessy whenever he shows up?
2: Well, strictly, it's just community, you know, relations. You know what I mean? Trying to get the attitude a little bit different. Maybe a little more positive. Get people thinking about this ball club in a different light. I, mean, I feel like, yeah. You're a people, people
0: person. Like a hype
3: know? guy. I feel like I could be a baseball hype yeah. guy. I would be the perfect yeah. guy to be. But I would be the good get-back coach. Everybody oh, get away. Yeah. Get away from Lou. And you would yeah. be the guy who would be in, uh, dressed in the uh, Joseph's Technicolor <laughs> Dream Coat on the mound, getting people fired yeah. up. Let's just say, hey, let's, yeah. let's get happy. Let's get fired up.
0: Only 129 that's games beautiful. left.
2: Yeah, no, it, 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 would, it would really work out nice. Billy, too, would be my analytics department. There you get go. Billy in there, too. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. I, uh, Billy uh, in Billy analytics would be great. Hey, Lou, why is this effing guy bunting? <laughs> I mean, I can hear it now. Uh, Lou, what a day yesterday. Heim Bloom yeah. yeah. is uh, relieved of his duties. Uh, what what went through your mind when you heard the news?
2: Yeah, it's funny because I, I, you, you start wondering what the future is for everybody you guys have been asking alice quarter that and people have been asking me about that and and i, I wondered I, th- I thought that heim was maybe in trouble you know and when you for when you hear it you know it's still kind of shocking right you're like oh my god here we go Now another gm search you know this is basically your gm job now is four years at a time here in boston is that going to hurt them going out and trying to find you know that veteran guy the guy that's been there before but i think ultimately i look i look back at heim and it, I. First off, I really liked the guy. You know what I mean? He was pretty open. You didn't always have to agree with him with his moves. I mean, I remember spending a lot of time with him in spring talking about the off season and, and how I didn't understand this and understand that and there was a thought process behind it. But I think ultimately, what did Heim Bloom in, I think of the trade deadlines. I think the inactivity. You know, like building a team in the off season, being right about a lot of things, putting your team in a position to maybe, you know, make that playoff push. Not World Series contender, but a playoff push, and really kind of not doing anything. And I think that kind of is—I think that's what did him in.
0: So, do you think that, um, like, and I know a lot of people are just—you know—they're looking back on some of the deals that he made. And uh, do you think that he just was the wrong guy for the job that they rushed to hire this guy, and/or do you think it's more of uh, they gave him marching orders that were uh, impossible to achieve?
2: Yeah, I know. This all, it all goes back to ownership, and, and they hired the guy. Um, I've always felt, okay, that a guy like John Henry, the owners, here, they interview a guy, they hire a guy to do the job, and then they take a step back. And then they keep evaluating. But it's like during a hiring process, it's like, as you guys know, it's like almost like the NFL draft. It's like you can get as much information as possible, but until you know what he's like on a phone call, in an offseason, negotiating, looking for a trade, trying to sign a guy. Until you have some information of how that plays out, you really don't know everything about a guy, you know, in an interview. So you had to let it play out, let him do his thing. And I just think eventually they realized, and, and this is the one criticism, Christian, you know that I've always had, is that I think he's done some nice things. But he never goes far enough. You know what I mean? It always sort of ends. You know what I mean? Like this year you could you could look at this roster and say, there were some good moves that were made. And it was like, however, you did state that you're looking for a pitcher who can pitch in the playoffs and you brought in Corey Kluber. You know what I mean? It's like you just you needed, you know, Eflin here or maybe a, a stronger push for Rivaldi or Waka or whatever it was. And it's just, there's good stuff here, but in the end it just, just didn't go that extra step. And I think a lot of that had to do with decision-making. You know, maybe not wanting to give up those prospects, couldn't make those decisions, you had trades on the table and wasn't willing to pull the trigger. I think there was a lot of that. And I think that ultimately was it.
3: Hey Lou, how close do you think Bloom was to accomplishing what the Dodgers are doing? Is it that far away that the Red Sox sort of had to do this? Like, could he ever get, could he ever get them there with his mentality as an executive?
2: I think that ultimately was the deciding factor. Like, is this thing on the right path? You know, is he kind of setting out what he wants to do? And I think that's something that he's excited to see how it plays out here, even though he doesn't have this job. But ultimately, it was like, okay, but is he the right guy to make that next step? You know, because now that we're here, you know, now that you got a system, now that you got guys under control, is he the right guy to go out and trade for a starting pitcher? Is he willing to give these guys up? Is he willing to go out and sign that one big, you know, whatever, free agent? Or does he still think... Yeah, I think the quote that always did him in was like he was, he was he'd more upset about missing the diamond in the rough. You know, that, that whole quote that he had one time yeah. like, as far as signing stars and it's like, no, nah, missing the, the diamonds in the rough hurt me more. Like I think it's always a search for that, you know, and I think ultimately they just looked at it in the last couple of trade deadlines and you, you hear stories about how there were trades on the table and you know, his asking prices were all unrealistic. I felt like his extension talks with some players was a little, was unrealistic, as we all know, you know Devers and whatever it may be, and others. You know, contract offers to Schwarber that were completely out of the, you know, not even close to the market. Like there was just a lot of stuff where I think moving forward, they just felt like, yeah, he's built it nice, but I just don't think he's the right guy and may take the next step.
0: So we're talking to Lou Maloney. and Lou, do you think another reason? Uh, why they decided to, to let him go was maybe ownership felt like the brand, the Red Sox brand was being damaged?
2: Well, yeah, I think that all plays a role into it, you know, but I think to a point they could maybe look in the mirror for some of that too, right? Like this is, you know, uh, the, the approach the last two or three years, you, know, you you did hire a guy knowing that this was going to be the approach. You know, you did hire a guy knowing that, the goal was to kind of trade Mookie Betts the minute he walked in the door. There was going to take a heat, you know, you're going to take heat on that. Build a minor league farm system. And when you just are committed to just that, you know your big league team is going to struggle a little bit because you're also not willing to go over the CBT. So, you know, if that was the reason why, you know, then you know, I, I don't like that one because I think they played a role in that as well.
3: Lou Maloney with Gresh and Fourier here. Lou is with us on the Harbor One Hotline talking about everything that went down at Fenway yesterday. Heim Bloom is uh, out. Now it is the next search. And, Lou, one of my questions for you is, the, in baseball, who sets the organizational tone? Is it the guy that the owner hires and puts in the role to be the chief baseball officer? Or is the owner also responsible for setting the path of the organization. I went nuts on the fact that John Henry wasn't around. I can't figure out which way this guy is thinking, left, right, center, I don't know. But even if he doesn't come around for press conference to make people like me happy, is this guy setting the tone for the organization and the way they're to be run? Because, God, it feels like a presidential election. Every four years, let's do it differently.
2: Yeah, and I do feel like, um, yeah, I think the owner always sets the tone, right? And I think if you are, uh, and then it depends on who you hire next, right? If you're a personality like John that just wants to kind of stay away, and I know he's obviously ruled out, but just for reference, sure. and he brought in a guy like Theo, Theo sets the tone. He now becomes that major presence. You know, when you're when you sort of sit back and you hire a guy like Dave Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski comes in and sets the tone, you know, the experience that he has had in this league. But if you are, you know have a young general manager and you're searching for that tone to come from someone, it should come from ownership. And, you know, yeah, you know, I wasn't crazy that he wasn't there yesterday. It, it, this is, I think, a mistake on their part. You know, I, I think that they always talk about John Henry kind of when he talks to the media, he's afraid he says too much and he's too honest and he gets himself in trouble. Like when he came out and basically one year and just said, that, you know, well, we're going to get under the CBT. And then Sam and, and Haim are kind of, you know, t- trying to clean up the mess and talk to people about, no, 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 we're not. But, Part of me thinks like, let John Henry speak more. Like, let who cares? Don't people just they want the truth? You would sort of look and say, look at our wacky owner. The guy can't shut up. He tells us everything, which would be beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, which would be beautiful. I th- I say talk more, and, and and be honest, and come out and tell people. Yeah, we're staying under. Yeah, we're not going to win this year, but we're going to win next year. You know, we're going to spend next year because we're going to go under the cap this year. Like that's that's what we want. You just
3: want to hear it. Yeah, and, you know, and, just, and, and just quickly for you, because I know you're getting ready to get in there, uh, the people who would get upset also work for him. It feels as if the uh, the tail wags the dog over there sometimes versus the dog wagging the tail. If I'm the owner, I sign your check. If you don't like it, there's, there's 29 other teams to go work for.
2: Yeah, yeah, so- no, I and- You're right. You know, he says some things, and they turn around and say, oh, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have said that. You know, let's just not bring you in here because we're we're afraid you're going to actually say something about this Heim firing that's actually (laughs) going to be headlines, and and it's going to cause waves or something. But if it's the truth, if it's the truth, I mean, we're old enough, we can handle it, right?
0: You would like to think so. You would like to believe so. All right, so, um, uh, okay, I guess possible candidates moving forward. What do you think the likelihood – Of Alex Cora going the way of Brad Stevens, former head coach, going into upper manager. What do you think the odds are of that happening? With Alex Cora and the Red Sox,
2: I think that, um, and I don't, I don't know for you know, it's his job if he wants it type of situation, but. I think that's a personal move for Alex Corr, just like maybe it was for Brad Stevens. You know, when we all sat there and said, well, Brad's not done coaching. He's too young. And I think with Cor, it's sort of like, okay, where's he at with his life? He's mentioned it before about doing it, but he's also mentioned the age of his kids. You know, and, and it's one of those things where as a father, you might sit there and say, you know, right now, this is a really good lifestyle to give up where my kids are. Uh, in four or five years from now, when they're a little bit older, it's going to be easier to transition into that role. So a lot of that is personal decision, life choices by Alex Cor. Is he ready to just give up being a manager, like if you bring in a new GM, if that's the route you go because he wants to manage and they bring in a new guy, he'll find a job anywhere he wants, and it'll be a good baseball team to manage. It's just a question of if he wants to leave the dugout right now and start running a team. I think eventually, I just don't know the answer if right now is the right time.
3: Lou, if Cora throws his hat in the ring, and let's work the hypothetical that he does end up getting the job, is Veritec a legitimate candidate if Alex removes himself, could this be text time?
2: You know, it was funny. Years ago, I remember his name kept popping up, and I've talked to him before, and I was just like, you know, let me know. You know, I need to know if you're, if you're ready to do this. And at the time, he's like, no. You know, that was years ago. He's like, I don't want that. And, you know, he's around. He likes what he was doing, and um, he just enjoyed his job and, and everything else. And I know that changed recently, too, you know, as far as him, like wanting to manage. So I think he wants to now. And I think he would be a good manager. You know, um, this city is very difficult. You know, this city, you know, the big league manager talks to the press before games. They talk to the press after games. Um, I think the Tech at times can be somewhat quiet <laughs> and shy, I think. Most people that do know him. And I wonder how that would hand, how he would handle that type of market. Uh, but. Listen, I don't put anything past that guy. to kind of figure out how to do it because I think he would be a great manager, and his knowledge of the game is second to none. So it'll be interesting to see if Core does goes down that road, and if, if Tech is one of the guys that he's interested in.
0: So uh, last one for me, we just got uh, just a couple news about uh, some reports that Peter Gammons put out there about how he talked to one uh, National League executive familiar with Shohei Otani believes that you know he would be interested in Bo- in Boston. Partly because of his relationship with New Balance CEO Jim Davis. But there's obviously an issue with uh, Yoshida, you know, and, you know, he, and they also need pitching. So is that now back on the table for real, for real? Not like Wiggy for real, but like for real, for real. To me,
2: I'm at the point, given that injury, I think what's inevitable, what's coming from him, to me, he's off the table. He doesn't help you. He helps you marketing. It'd be a PR move. He helps you marketing. He helps you with advertising. You don't need another DH. You already got three. You know, like you don't. You don't need another one. Didn't you, need you move to those guys? Well, yeah, you could, but you know.
0: But the fact know, that he $50 can't $50 pitch is a problem. If he doesn't
2: pitch to you. Yeah. It just. I just. I, I don't know if he fits. I want the kid Yamamoto. He fits boys, twenty five. He's an actual pitcher. Like I expect him to pitch for the next four or five years. Like, I am signing Shohei Otani to bring a circus to town, to bring a DH to town. He's a great hitter. Of course he's a great hitter. But am I going to spend $40 million on another hitter when we just watched this season and sat there and said, he doesn't even play defense. Like, I need to improve my defense. I need to improve pitching. Like, I can go sign this guy. It would be a great marketing move. But how is he going to help me win? And by the way, I just gave him $40 million. How do I go out and sign Yamamoto? How do I go out and sign, you know, my payroll's 320. That worked out for the Mets. Like I don't know. I just think with that injury that he has in his arm right now, Christian, he's out. Like I, I, I'm looking for arms, dude. I need arms.
3: If you is your PowerPoint ready to go for your interview, or are you still putting that together? Yeah. What
2: are your three keys to to success, Lou? (laughs) Someone told me that that job you really can't golf much. Uh, Ah. well, you
0: could do whatever you want. I am just going to say, you're in charge.
3: Considering the people who've yeah. done the job over there, I would think that if you needed to work in, you know, nine holes a day, you'd be able to figure it out. Just bring your phone with
2: you. Well, you know, I, get, I get some contracts coming up. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm always... I'm out there, and I guess if the price is right, you know, we can always just check it out. See, maybe go walk the dog, you know, just with the entire executive office, and just start talking about baseball. That's how you
0: should have your your meetings, like your your scouting reports, your 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 game meetings, you know, your financial statements, while you guys are walking the dog. Yeah, we yeah, want yeah. and and
3: we're rooting for you to get the gig so that we have the, inside information. So no, so that we have the <laughs> director of baseball operations and the manager on our show. <laughs> Nice.
2: You, Lou, you get the front office report? Yeah.
3: yeah, we would get the front office report then because, you know, Lou's got to play golf in the morning or he's got morning yep. meetings or whatever.
0: Yep.
2: Be great.
3: Yeah. Down the uh, yeah. Duncan. Yeah. Hey, we're all meeting the Duncan in Framingham, and then we'll tee off in 20 minutes. Oh, baby. <laughs> Lou, thank you, brother. Hey, uh, uh, you're uh, you're on the call a bunch this weekend, right?
2: Yeah, I got radio this weekend, and then I got next, and next week against the White Sox, and then the Orioles the final week. So I'm pretty busy here. Backload a lot of these games, which is great because now that they're out of it, they're, they're much more fun. Well, if you
3: uh, – <laughs> yeah, when, when Lou's got to put – anybody I'll who can – anybody who can help Lou with the PowerPoint, we're uh, we're we're here to uh, facilitate. Thank
0: you, buddy. We appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> there Good he goes. News. See you, Lou. Yeah. The next bye, uh, GM bye. of your Boston Red Sox, Louis
1: Merloni, Chief local guy. baseball officer. Is that what we're going with?